Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome along uh, to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Delighted to have you along to listen to this podcast where we'll be digging into one of the most important issues, I think, that we face in the UK labour market right now. But before we get into that, your latest update from the REC, well, it's all been about labour shortages most sharply, of course, in HGV driving, but across the economy over the last month here at the REC with our jobs recovery tracker, which was out on the 24th of September, showing a, a new high on active job adverts of 1.9 million. And our jobs outlook, which was out on the 29th of September, showing that that demand from employers was likely to sustain through to the end of the year in terms of an optimistic outlook. So while at the economy-wide level, we're a bit worried about capacity constraints brought on by candidate shortage, it's certainly the case that demand is very high for REC members in almost every sector right now, with particular issues in terms of getting people in, in hospitality, in IT, in logistics, and in particular in driving and food manufacturing. We have seen some movement from government on visas, although these very short-term visas may or may not be successful. What's good is that we've moved moved on from what was quite a dismissive attitude from government on the shortages issue before the summer, a sense that the industry was crying wolf into a much more practical and two-way discussion that we're having with them about solutions now. And we've had some excellent interaction with ministers on all of this over the last few weeks, as well as with backbench MPs. Turning to the REC's own work, you can access our skills and labour survey results and our campaign online on the REC website. Also on the REC website for you to take a look at is our business advice pages. We've just updated the latest section on business growth. Some great content there for you to dig into and, and take away what works for your business. Part of our commitment to absolutely be your voice in campaigning, absolutely keep you safe legally and in compliance, but also do more progressively to support your thinking about how your business grows and recovers. So do check that out on the website. And the last thing before I turn to our guests for today is a quick shout out for the REC Awards at the end of November. Do consider coming to join us for what will be a fantastic night. We're all just starting to get back together, but the REC Awards are always the best night of the year for recruitment. And I know the team here have got a fantastic evening set up, so do consider coming along to that. Have a look on the REC website for all the details on that. And particular congratulations to those members who have been nominated. Now let's turn to our discussion for today. Well, let's turn to our guests for today and a discussion where we're really going to focus in on one of the potential ways of addressing many of the shortages we're seeing in our labour market right now. Well, we've talked a lot about immigration as part of the solution and the immediate pressure on drivers. Across the whole of our economy, it's very clear that youth unemployment remains an issue and that giving young people good paths to skilled work is going to be a critical part of meeting the needs of our economy, but also of our society in the in the years to come. And one of the things that we've been thinking a lot about at the REC is, well, what What's recruitment's role in that? And today, we're just going to dig into that a little bit with two fantastic guests. Firstly, Laura Jane Rawlings, who's the Chief Executive of Youth Employment UK. Hello, LJ, and welcome to the pod. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. 
Do you just want to say a little bit about Youth Employment UK, just so people know about the work you do? Great. Yeah. So Youth Employment UK is coming up for its 10th anniversary. And it's a not-for-profit that was set up to tackle youth unemployment. We do that really uniquely by looking to understand the challenges and barriers directly from young people. So we do a lot of research and analysis with 14 to 24 year olds to explore what they're experiencing. Hearing and understanding where young people are at is really important because whilst we may all have been 16 once, we certainly haven't been 16 in the same circumstances that young people find themselves today. So that allows us then as an organisation to help employers think better about how they might engage and support young people coming into the workplace and being friendly, but also um, to an influence in government policy. So we work a lot with government on the challenge of youth unemployment right across the board. We have about 250,000 young people a month coming into our website to access careers, help and support and build their skills because they just don't know. They don't know what's out there. They don't know how to get ready for the world of work. So we're a platform that's really trusted by them to help them do that. Well, thanks, LJ, and it's fantastic you've given up your time to join us on the REC podcast today. We're also joined, I'm delighted to say, by the Chief Executive of Cummins Mellor, Michelle Mellor, who's also a director of the REC. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you say a little bit about the Cummins Mellor business, uh, just so that people can place you in the recruitment world? Thanks very much for inviting us along today. Really looking forward to the discussion. LJ and I have previously had conversations as well, so we have met before sharing a passion for young people. Cummins Mellor is our local recruitment agency in Lancashire, in Blackburn with Darwin in Lancashire, but we also have a couple of other businesses, one in the hospitality recruitment sector, which is UK-wide, and also our background screening and employment checking company personnel checks. So I'm a director of all of those businesses. So we kind of see everything on a regional sort of local perspective but we also have eyes on what's actually happening within um, the UK recruitment industry. And obviously my my position on the board of the REC supports that very, very much. Thanks, Michelle. And thank you for giving up time to this discussion today as well. I think this is a really important topic for two reasons. One is, you know, as a society, we all exist to help our young people find their way in in life and find a way into employment. And I think LJ, as you've already said, there is a bit of a chasm between what young people have been doing up until the point they start looking for work and the kind of opportunities that they can find, particularly, I think, focused in their local area, because we're not dealing with for instance, people who've perhaps been to university and are applying to big national graduate schemes. We're dealing with people who are likely to be looking for a job in their local area. And at the same time, right now we're seeing massive shortages in the market, really low candidate availability, and yet simultaneously unacceptably high levels of youth unemployment in almost every local authority area in the UK, but notably also differentially youth unemployment for young black people is significantly higher even than the high level that we see in every part of the country. So I suppose LJ just help us as recruiters who are used to bringing people in into the opportunities we're trying to fill, help us understand the starting point here. There's clearly a challenge as you've already set out but where are the opportunities do you think? Probably for public policy makers, for government, you mentioned, but also for businesses, because I think a lot of the answer actually lies with businesses rather than with the public authorities. Yeah, gosh, what a question. And I'll start my answer with, I'm an ex-recruiter. 
So actually, I believe in the power of the recruitment profession to solve one of the biggest challenges that we've got around youth unemployment. I think we, you know, recruiters are experts in that local labour market and it's a bit of information young people don't have. Recruiters really understand employer needs and we know from young people that they don't understand what employers are looking for. So actually, I think I think this is a really exciting opportunity and I'm a big fan of the work that the REC has done around this. So in terms of context, there are over 600,000 young people who are not in education, employment or training in official figures. But actually, we don't think that really scratches the surface of, of the real volume. Um, the number of young people who became unemployed during pandemic was, you know, sort of really high levels because, of course, they're more vulnerable in the sectors that shut down immediately, like leisure and tourism and catering and hospitality. So young people were two and a half times more likely to work in those sectors. So right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we thought that we were going to see a youth unemployment crisis to rival the one we saw after the financial recession. And so we've been working really closely, um, formulating a specialist policy group called the Youth Employment Group with partners. And it's now has over 250 members. And we've been advising the government really closely on what policies they're going to have to think about in order to reduce that youth unemployment crisis. And I think they've adverted it quite well. So what we've seen is, of, of course, the job retention scheme that protected so many jobs, including those where young people could be found, but also the kickstart incentive that, that came in has protected young people, has put young people into paid employment. But at the same time, we saw young people choosing to stay on in education rather than risk entering a labour market. They've just delayed that. So there's still kind of time, if you like, ahead of this landscape for that challenge to become even, even greater in number. Young people have taken up low-skilled jobs, which is going to cause problems down the line because that poor quality, low-skilled work that young people often find themselves in means they're not developing skills. They're not necessarily working with employers that are investing in their wider skills to ensure then that they can kind of meet some of the skill needs that other sort of businesses are talking about. So there is a few a few complications within that system. And one of the pieces of work that we do is a, a, a called the Youth Voice Census, which is an annual survey of young people. And we just released the 2021 findings. I really encourage recruiters to go and read that census because it really gives you that picture of where young people are right now. And in there, you'd probably be surprised to hear that only 9.9% of young people think that they will find a good quality job where they live. Now, given what you've just said about the recruitment challenges that most employers are facing, that's incredible to consider that in our towns and cities around the country, young people just feel that disconnected to jobs and opportunities and employers that they just don't believe that there are those opportunities for them. So I think the opportunity is is you know on a couple of fronts government have got to do more we've got to see that employer incentive around apprenticeships and traineeships you know we'd like to see kickstart extended but you know is this going to be a savings review rather than a spending review we think so so it comes down to then employers and recruiters really looking at their role in their local community and bridging that gap and fulfilling that you know those areas where there's that disconnect that's a great jumping off point, LJ. And I'm just reflecting while we were talking of our experience as a gateway provider for Kickstart at the REC. And I think some of the frustrations of the pace of Kickstart 
in terms of getting young people through the system and into the opportunities that business was uh, business is creating and i think there is a there's probably a, a public policy understanding that government needs to have i know we've hammered away at them on for years which is the labor market doesn't clear automatically mm-hmm. you know it's not just people can find vacancies and then they find the opportunity and i think your your survey data shows that really clearly uh, in terms of the expectations of young people quite pessimistic i was going to say glass half empty but it's more like glass of three quarters empty at the same time as we're seeing huge demand all over the country from businesses just uh, recently we published our jobs recovery tracker which had jobs postings going up in every single upper tier local authority area in the uk that kind of level of demand is you'd expect things to start to happen but they don't happen automatically i think they require both government and and businesses to lean in and some of the stuff that we've been most impressed with that the industry has done has been built from the bottom up whether that's working with the metro mayors who i think possibly in the english framework are doing the most exciting work at the moment in terms of engaging people or whether it's being done in in local areas and michelle i wanted to bring you in at this point just to talk about some of the work that you've been doing I mean, you very clearly rooted your businesses in Lancashire uh, earlier on when we when we did the introduction and uh, you like me share a passion for recruitment as local leaders what have you seen in your business and how you can interact with local players to really start to to drive some private sector solutions to the issues that LJ's raised I agree with LJ, first of all, though. I think what I want to say is I think REC, REC recruiters, REC recruiters are very well placed to help business clients in the challenges that they're facing, particularly bringing in that talent pipeline and particularly the potential talent pipeline. We work very closely in our local community. We've got really great connections with our local authority, with our colleges, you know, our FE colleges. And our, our youth zone, we're patrons of our local youth charity, which is part of the Onside National Network. And, um, you know, we've worked significantly for many, many years with them raising funds to help the sort of employability gap to try and bring young people through into the world of work. And clearly the pandemic's exacerbated everything. You know, there are some real challenges across society, given the pandemic and how that has happened and how we drive that social sort of divide, particularly with young people. And I think in a town like Blackburn with Darwin, you have to really look at the demographics of what is actually in that area, what the community looks like, what the college is providing, what the schools are providing, and the challenges that businesses are facing to keep their organisations running when they need the potential talent pipelines to keep coming through. An example of something we've been doing quite recently is a collaboration between our youth zones. So working with young people from the youth zone and and the board there, also looking at working with the with the college, with the principal of the college there and 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 their recruitment teams to try and bring a program together that really properly addresses the bridge between the educate where where young people leave the education part of their their, and start you know and start the career pathway within business so that bridge between education and employment we see is massively impacted the the bit in the middle because on one side we've got businesses saying 
or we need a people and we need young people to come into our apprenticeship schemes. We need them to come into our graduate programs fit for purpose in terms of we can teach them the skill, but what we need them to be is to hit the ground running once they come through the door. So the program that we we devised was really sort of concentrating on looking at what the demands of our local area need in terms of the skills, in terms of the role that the job roles that are coming into the marketplace. And obviously Blackburn with Darwin is very manufacturing and production and engineer led. I mean, there is a lot of opportunity for many jobs, a lot of professional services work out of this area. And it's really getting the understanding of of that in the town and the city of which recruiters are working in and supplying to, but then also aligning that with the young people that are coming out of the education establishments, whether that is school or college or even university for graduate programmes, but giving them some sense of who are the employers in the area, what are the career pathways that are the opportunities for them to take up, how can we get them to understand the potential opportunities for jobs and progression and development within those organisations. LJ is absolutely right when she says there is so much for a young person to take in once they finish their education. It's kind of what where do they start? So it is about pr- providing that safe environment to get them to understand what's on their doorstep who the employers are, what they do, how they fit in with that. And then I think part of the programme, there's a, there a big piece on really trying to get some context around understanding, you know, the whole self of the young person to get them fit for purpose. So we did a, a, a big assessment sort of programme around just spending some some real time with them in terms of the context of around that individual. You know, they may or may not have had great careers advice. They may or may not have had access to great role models when they're in education or or at school, but it's not the same for everyone. So it's really spending some some time on getting the young person to really understand themselves and the context of which they've come from to help them have that confidence, to have find their passion, to understand their strengths. And then by working with those young people and also then working with businesses and the employers to kind of really get them to understand, look, you know, the, the, the piece that we were doing, we interviewed 20 young people and did career coaching with 20 young people. And I have to say every single one of them from our local college were absolutely fantastic potential talent that is right there now ready to go into the world of work. But there's just such a gap, chasm of how to actually connect the two up. On the other on the other side of the coin with the businesses, I we had a fantastic roundtable with 15 local businesses here. Some were like big employers, you know, the big manufacturing plants producing goods and services across the country and but they are trying to get their talent pools from some of the local area and there wasn't one business that I came across I mean some of these businesses are our clients and they they were so passionate about wanting to do whatever it took to feed these talent pipelines to do some of the things that they can get involved in such as sector masterclasses on what that particular sector does. I was speaking to um, an engineering company yesterday and the MD of an engineering company. And, you know, they were saying, we just can't find young people. We go to the colleges and the, and the, 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 you know, the training is not there to gear up. 
and they're frightened about what you know what's going what what they're going to be able to to recruit from in the future so it seems to me that businesses are really willing to get on board with this which is fantastic the talent pool is there in the colleges and the schools they just need to have that confidence and information and knowledge and aspiration to know that there is there is the opportunities on the doorstep so it's just providing that piece in the middle to try and join the two up but concentrating really on the process not the outcome and breaking that process down into right what does the young person need to move them from a to b to c to d to get them to the employer and then bringing it the other way so it's a more focused concentrated action plan around the process of how to address that gap i'm really conscious i'm going on a bit there but it's all exciting stuff isn't it michelle and i think that critical point is you know what's the node around which all this goodwill turns i just link what you just said back to something that lj said earlier on which is we were all 16 once but we weren't 16 like this generation are in terms of you said it yourself that massive amount of stuff that's out there and the question is not necessarily is there opportunity but how do i see the signal here and a couple of experiences i think in my career maybe thinking about this over the last probably say in the decade since the financial crisis have been really formative in kind of the approach we take at the rec one is in 2011 my hometown edinburgh was the place in the united kingdom with the highest percentage of young people without positive destinations coming out of school which you know you ask anyone in the street to name the place that had that accolade and they would not pick edinburgh and i found that out while talking to standard life who listeners may know of a very substantial employer in uh, in edinburgh and standard life's response was well we went back and looked at when the last time was that we that we hired a school leaver and the answer was 15 years ago and there's an element of kind of businesses thinking through you know what are the opportunities they want to offer and where are where is the potential talent for them and then going back to lj's point looking at that through the lens that a young person has i joke when i'm talking to government about how labor markets work that the, the longer i'm involved in british labor markets the more obsessed with buses i get but it was a thought that first occurred to me actually in Darwin because I was talking to an employer who was trying to merge a unit in Blackburn with a unit in Darwin and was really struggling because people were struggling to get to work in Darwin if they were coming from Blackburn. And there's a whole piece around how do we give a framework to this debate, a framework for employers to lean in and do some of the great work you've been talking about, Michelle, but also a framework for young people so that they get they can see the signal and they don't get overwashed by the noise. I mean, LJ, what works well in terms of really developing kind of a clear pathway that young people can walk down to start to find some of those opportunities you were talking about earlier? Well, I mean, it's a million dollar question, that Neil. And it's something that our, my organisation does. So Youth Employment UK say we, we have a skills and careers platform that's free to access to 14 to 24-year-olds because in every Youth Voice census, we've heard consistently that young people don't know what careers are out there. They don't know what pathways there are to those careers, but they also don't know what skills they need to develop. 
So back in 2014, we created a, a careers platform for young people that has got a skills program, free training program for them and free resources to learn about the careers in the world of work. We then work with employers and organisations to help them become youth friendly because I'm really tired of the dialogue that says that is employers going, young people aren't work ready. And I think it's because we must look through our own journeys with rose tinted glasses and, and assume that, you know, when we left school at 16, 18, 23, whatever, that we were all brilliantly work ready and excellent. Could not agree more with this. To our employers. What nonsense was that? You know, I remember the training I had in my first retail job that that was absolutely on the job training. It wasn't late, you know, it wasn't an apprenticeship, it wasn't a traineeship, but I was given a mentor and told how to do my job to the standards expected. And yet somehow employers have got really comfortable with this idea that young people and education is about preparing young people to be work ready. I mean, I don't know about your children and children within the networks that you have, but my kids wouldn't know how to answer a phone in an office professionally because we don't have a home phone. You know, gone are the days when I used to see a pair, my parents pick up the phone and say, you know, repeat the telephone number back to the person that rang us, you know, 01536. How can, you know, and, and so that, that expectation that young people will know how businesses work or, or have those really good early career skills is a nonsense. In the last 18 months, young people haven't had work experience. There was a pandemic. You know, young people couldn't get jobs, part-time jobs, where I, I grew my first teeth in the world of work, waitressing. You know, young people haven't had that opportunity. So we do have to become young people ready as businesses. And it's the thing that, you know, as you can hear, I'm very passionate about that we're talking to employers in our network all the time about how they become young people ready, how they become youth friendly. And employers are going to walk over the bridge just as much as the young people using our skills and career services have. So those employers that work with us, we can connect them to the quarter of a million young people a month using our site. But it's a drop in the ocean in terms of reach and network. So in every town, in every um, city, there will be youth organisations. We're national, but there will be local youth organisations doing this work really well and I would caution you know Michelle's doing some great work in in the north but she knows who the networks are she, she's done her research before creating programs and initiatives I do caution that to be the same way that other people approach this do not assume there's nothing going on because actually the more we keep reinventing things and adding things to this market space the more difficult it's become to navigate so we're a careers website. We provide free employability skills and we're probably one of a thousand search engine websites that was come up, you know, websites that would come up in a search engine. How's that young person supposed to know which is trusted, which is reliable? So you've got to understand, I think, the partnerships that exist, you know, the careers and enterprise companies funded by the government to build those local school partnerships. I think it's about understanding you don't have to start from scratch, but you do have to go and get busy at understanding where young people are coming from, talk to them, don't assume, and who else is in this space that you can add value to rather than creating more noise in what has become, my goodness, the most complex landscape. And and to that, you know, I was in an interesting conversation yesterday with where we were talking about, you know, you have a big employer and Standard Life's a great example. They are fantastic. I mean, probably every school is ringing Standard Life to get them to provide work experience, right? Um, and probably every recruiter is ringing Standard Life to try and get them to take on 
placements and candidates through them. So it's about understanding all that's available in those local areas. The SMEs are the ones more likely to hire young people, but they're going to need the training and support to do that well, to be really youth friendly. And of course, those young people that get left behind will be those with additional needs. You know, young people now have got such complex needs coming into the labour market. The census this year told us about the mental health and anxiety that exists in every age group. That census runs from 14 to 24 year olds. And there was not not one year group that said they were confident and healthy mentally. They all cited mental health and anxiety and depression as barriers for them to employment. So Michelle's right. You've really got to understand those young people and understand the steps and the process to support them. And employers and recruiters can't be experts in all things, but they can certainly give power to charities and youth organisations that might not have the employer connections and, and do that in partnership. So I think I think I really do, you know, kind of really encourage the sector to get better at partnership working in its community. I think that's a really important point, LJ. And I was involved in the work in 2014 at the CBI, which sort of is one of the parents of the careers and enterprise company. Mm -hmm. And it is that thing about getting involved in what exists, working with the networks that exist and building on and adding to. Uh, I remember having a discussion when I was at the CBI with the person who was my project manager on that that CBI work who became the chief executive of the CEC and basically what we said at the time was we will back the CEC to the hill until they start delivering additional stuff because that's not what they're meant to do they're meant to be drawing the strings together with people like local authorities mayors colleges to start to simplify the picture for young people so I think just drawing beginning to draw this together a little bit there's very clearly a strand here of lots of activity taking place It's not always brilliantly coordinated. And I think one of the things that we could do as a sector is lean in to offer our skills as kind of nodal points in the labour market and to build on what already exists. But I suppose, Michelle, before we close, if you were talking to an REC member who's maybe thinking about what they can do to lean in, what's the sort of one piece of advice that you would give? I think there's there's an absolute wealth of knowledge and sort of empirical empirical information out there. I think data is really important and we've got the wherefore to be able to get that data. So I think recruiters really understanding the demographic of where they're working from and helping businesses to understand that in terms of the jobs roles and the opportunities that businesses have. You're right. You mentioned before we need a framework for businesses as much as we need a framework for young people. You know, and I, I do think that we need to be making significant changes to the hiring and recruitment frameworks for early careers. And I think the DNI bit that everyone is talking about can really play to strengths in this. I think it really becomes part of the sort of the social divide and some of the challenges that LJ is talking about with young people. So the sort of helping to understand the framework of the recruiting processes for the future of recruiters to help businesses do that. I think we live, unfortunately, in a little bit of a world where the decision makers and leaders have over, they have their own set of personal sort of frameworks and and beliefs of how to obviously go about their recruitment processes. But it does need, we need to change that. We need to change it in line with what young people need and want and how they see the world. 
ILJ is much more versed on on that. But, you know, they need to work for companies that are equal. <laughs> they need to have meaning and stability. And, and, you know, it's not just about money. I do think there are a lot of organisations who are really trying to get on the front foot. But I also think it's it's not just so systemic around the recruitment process. We need to be thinking of how we can simplify some of these processes. And business needs to be thinking, you know, how relatable are we to our brand and how are we communicating and engaging in our communities to attract that sort of wide, wider, diverse talent pool. You know, student youth recruitment, I think, isn't just about running a process. It's about a whole ecosystem. What would I say to recruiters? Really understand the, the demographic of where you're recruiting from. The information and the data is out there. We have partners at the REC who can provide that information. Understand the demographic of the schools and the colleges and, and the talent pipeline feeding through. And then make yourself, you know, make yourself attractive to talk to, to that talent pipeline through the lens of the young person. Um, you know, it amazes me how we have 360 degree view of our customers in an organization, but we probably only have about 10, 20% of our people in many cases. And I think if we really tailored that to looking at the talent pipelines and the young people coming through and into those organizations that were speaking their language and being attractive to them in terms of what they want and what they see and how we can engage with them, that would be, you know, the biggest thing. But make no bones about it. SMEs, as LJ said, We've got to make sure, and this is where government come in, I think, we've got to make sure that they are equipped to be able to do that. Do they have the resource to do it? Do they have the budget to do it? Do they have the help and the framework and the skills on site to do that? Some of the larger organisations are making amazing headways in this space. But the SMEs who are the provider of the jobs, you know, in 90% of the UK, actually, in every town and city, they're the ones who need the help to support that framework and the resource and the and the funds to do that so you know it's it's a much bigger challenge than just the recruitment process it's looking at how we can obviously make that change i think that's really powerful michelle and a great way to sort of draw it together from a recruiter's perspective in terms of thinking about the frameworks of how we change early career lj i'm going to give you the last word on on this and we talked a lot about the role of recruiters in the market but what would help from the public authorities in this what would youth employment uk's view be on the things that would make a difference in terms of local authority and government action i mean oh gosh the list is really long neil you know one of one of my big asks would be to really rethink this curriculum our young people are coming through you know it's we're still working in a victorian with a victorian curriculum my 17 year old you know did his gcse's the first year of the pandemic and we're studying the same english literature books that i did you know and inspector calls and macbeth 25 years later the same two literature books are being studied so i think there is something the world of work is really exciting the opportunities are really great and they are there so we have to help you know that school system prepare young people better with a better curriculum and building on those kind of fundamental employability skills you know the the oecd have got kind of the skills for 
the next 10, 20 years and we're thinking about critical thinking skills and problem solving and empathy, we need to be able to have a curriculum that that spans great content, but also that skill building. I think that's really important from a national government perspective, because otherwise we're just sticking clusters on all the time. Careers education is still really unequal too. So again, you know, my 17-year-old is my guinea pig and he knows I talk about him a lot, but he is in year 13 and has yet to be offered any careers experience whatsoever. No work experience. He's not had a face-to-face careers interview. Now, he is fortunate as hell, privileged that he's my kid and I'm neurotic. I happen to know the chief executive of the Recruitment Employment Confederation. I'll get him a job. We'll be all right. But what about all of those other kids? So there's there's that inequality that needs to be addressed. And the CC are working on it, but they need funding. They need a bigger remit. So there's lots there from a national policy perspective. And on the local level, I think we have to get excited about the role young people have in our communities. In this year's census, over 80% of young people do not feel they have a place or a voice on the issues that matter to them. So local authorities, are, you know, they lost all their funding for youth services. You know, if you look out your windows and see the youth clubs that are running in your local town, you know, Michelle's talked about one size, you know, it's a really great, great youth offer, but it is, there's 10 of those in the country. They're not in every town. They're certainly not in my town. So we've got to help young people with that enrichment around them. You know, those young people that don't have parents like my kids do that aren't taking them to rugby matches and giving them careers advice when they don't want it we have to invest in new services again we have to give young people a place in the local community and then I think too we have to encourage employers to see their role in their community and and bring Youth-friendly places together is what we call it, coin the phrase here at Youth Employment UK. We've done that work with um, Birmingham, with the mayor there and the mayor in Greater Manchester because they get it. They have that local leadership that sees every citizen as being important, an ecosystem around them. And I think that's what the local authorities have got to start, start taking some leadership in and around. So just draw all this together to finish us off and this has been a great discussion and I'm really excited about what we might do next. If you think about what the CEC is trying to do in terms of building those local networks, supporting those local local networks, absolutely agree that that needs more funding but as those networks arrive, you go back to the, the first generation of the ideas about the CEC in the work that we were doing in the CBI seven eight years ago now it was about telling kids whose parents can't tell them all the things that middle class parents tell their kids and putting that framework that framework is always going to have to be locally relevant so there's some invitation there to lean in on the networks that are being built because as we lean in those local networks the kind of ones that michelle's talked about we can build them up and give them greater relevance and make the signal clearer for young people on what opportunities are there. On the public policy side, it's about making sure that young people have a voice in the debate. And I think anyone who has come into contact with teenagers and people in their early 20s over the last few years, as I have, have just come off seven years of setting the youth minimum wage, amongst other things. You know, Our young people are deeply impressive and they have been dealt a tougher hand than many of us had, as LJ pointed out earlier on. And there's a real opportunity here, I think, for us all 
as a business community to make a difference, but a, a, a unique opportunity for recruiters as well. That's been a fantastic discussion. Michelle, thank you for joining us today with both your REC director hat on and your Cummins Mellor hat. And uh, LJ, likewise, thank you for joining us. If people want to find a little bit more about the work of Youth Employment UK, where can they look, LJ? We keep it simple. So they can just go to youthemployment.org.uk. And if you do nothing else, I really encourage you to go and have a read of the 2021 Youth Voice Census, because I think that framing starts there. Fantastic. Thank you both very much for joining us. Thanks for the opportunity. I've enjoyed it. Well, thanks again to uh, Laura, Jane and Michelle for joining us today for that fascinating discussion about youth employment and the opportunity that exists to really break through and make a difference for our young people, but also to resolve candidate shortages through better access to routes for young people for through to work. A really big part of this is, of course, the fact that we think at the REC that while this current crisis is likely to abate as we get into the new year, the British labour market is going to stay tight for many years to come. And so youth unemployment is a waste of talent, but it's also commercially wasteful for British business. We've got to, as Michelle was saying earlier on, start to restructure how we bring people in in our early careers frameworks. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, why not check out some of our other episodes recently? Episode 18 with Nicholas Harrison on occupational counselling for leaders. Episode 17 with uh, Nikki Pritchard all about equality, diversity and inclusion in the industry. Or episode 13 with Amanda Simpson on the new world of work and the importance to recruiters of adaptability in our thinking. Some really great content there from people inside and outside the industry, which is what we try to do on the pod every couple of weeks. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion and look forward to speaking to you again soon on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, so subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.